When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Friday, January 6th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 494 featuring NBC Sports Boston's Chris Forsberg is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. New edition of Celtics Beat, and you know what? Because it's our first opportunity, I'm not going to waste it. Happy New Year. I don't care that we're nearly a week into January in 2023. I'm just going to say it. Happy New Year to all of you. Happy New Year to the Boston Celtics, even though they're playing like the the bad parts of 2022. (laughs) At least they uh, were going into this latest game, a, a thumping of the Mavericks in Dallas. We will get there. And a Happy New Year to Evan Valenti and, of course, our special guest today, Chris Forsberg. I am Adam Kaufman. Guys, how are you? going on you know you can't worry about saying happy new year when evan still got the christmas yeah, I was tree gonna put, in the background <laughs> great point. Like, <laughs> i was gonna make that i was gonna make that point i was like i really can't do anything i got a christmas tree behind me so we're good but it's good. like it's a thing the ambiance it's nice it's very nice for... it, 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 it spruces up the the whole thing for people watching online it's uh it's nice i, I, I mesmerized that's a, that's, that. a, that's a tree pun by the way that was very nice there chris it's true. I, I was waiting for one of you to kind of be the Larry David of the show and be like, we we still doing this? this is- oh, we're still doing this. Oh, we're still doing yeah. it. I think, it, yeah. look, I think it's beautiful. You know what it is? We're, we're, we're trying to hang on to, to late 2022 as long as possible because those were the Celtics that were really fun to watch through, throughout this year and, uh, not so much what, what started off 2023, but maybe because, you know, we were just talking about this off air guys. If we were talking about a three game skid, and honestly, I was not convinced that the Celtics, even if they played better, that they were going to win in Dallas just the way they had been going. The fact that historically in Dallas, it's tough. You got an MVP battle with Luka Doncic on the other side and Tatum, you know, wasn't playing at his best and, and obviously, Things couldn't really have gone better for the Seas in in that uh, particular leg of the trip. Tatum with his a very rare, as as you have noted, Chris, very rare triple double, just the second of his career. Despite uh, Ime Odoka, the suspended head coach, saying at points last year he he wanted Tatum to average a triple double. He wanted more triple doubles out of Jason Tatum. He got number two with this game in Dallas, and Luka Doncic was uh, woefully. Shut down only what 23, 24 points. He had averaged 45 over his handful of games going into this one. It was nationally televised. So everything that you want out of the still NBA leading Celtics may not have happened in Denver. Certainly didn't happen in OKC, but things were better in Dallas. And I guess, I guess where I start, Chris, is this is what it can look like. Just a reminder mm. of what it can look like when they play like they give a damn. 
Yeah, and I'm surprised to hear you say you didn't think it would be that way in Dallas. I understand all the 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 pain points with how good Luca is and playing on the road and all that. And yet I sort of expected the Celtics best on this night. And part of it was, especially after the OKC disaster, you had to show yourself better and, and try to get rid of that bad taste in your mouth. Um, but it was refreshing that a lot of what sort of accentuated 2022, the bench play, Tatum picking his spots, but being great overall, you know, being able to weather Jalen Brown in foul trouble and, you know, shutting down Luca, even if he's coughing into his jersey and had some excuse about uh, probably not feeling well. So, uh, yeah, we definitely, I, I, we joked before we jumped on, I said, man, if we'd recorded this podcast on Wednesday, it would have been pretty depressing and state of the union. Everyone wanted to fire Joe and, yeah. and everything that's going on there. And so, uh, it's, uh, you feel a lot better today. And yet I almost wish we had Saturday to sort of figure out if this is going to be consistent and the team is actually going to, uh, play with a little bit more consistency than we've seen. Or if they're just going to continue to keep getting up for the big games, which, you know, again, like I'm, I'm, you can be bullish. They're now 14 and seven against teams over 500. Three of those losses are in overtime and you, you feel pretty good about them getting up for big games, but you know, would, would help if they got up for the, for the tiny games too. So to your point, we don't know if this is a one off and, and obviously we're recording when we're recording. So we only have kind of the small sample sizes, but you know, I, I was tweeting out after that OKC game, like all the different reasons that. The, it seemed like the common refrain, I don't know how much of this you guys did on television, but the common refrain on Twitter certainly was Celtics are broken. And I'm looking at all of these things popping up in my mentions and I'm saying, look, they, they, they didn't play great in Denver and you have every reason to be frustrated with what happened in OKC. Late an egg. They were never in it. They didn't even look like they were trying out there, but it's a couple of games and all of the response I'm getting is like, what have you been watching? They've been playing like crap for two weeks. Yeah. They've been getting some wins, but yeah, a month. Like they, they have not been doing what it is that they were doing early in the year and what we need them to do to, to truly believe that they are what their record is, mm-hmm. that they are a championship contender. Did you ever fall into the whole, the seas are broken, there's a real problem here, or is this just the ups and downs, the slumps of a long regular season, and and you think at their core, they are still what we have seen for most of the year? So, somewhere in between. I think this was a month of sort of roller coaster ball where you played good in stretches, but not great in others. And, you know, between the loss in Golden State, which, you know, still really is the one that stings me because like that was the one you wanted to see the progress and show off your bench. And from there, the bench has been in a terrible slump. But I walked away from OKC and my big feeling was, you know, they they let go of the rope, which they really never did last year. Now, I, I know teams do it, and Scal was trying to make the point last night that even great teams sometimes just get their doors blown off, and sometimes there's not an explanation that, you know, whatever Joe wants to call it, confabulation, we can, we can make up all sorts of I- excuses. But, you know, still, like, really good teams go in on a mission and usually take care of business more than, than not. And for the Celtics to be 8-8 eight and eight since December 2nd, I was worried. Like, not, not worried, but I, I, I'm I'm – the to be a championship team they weren't displaying the consistency and sort of mindset that champions have one game isn't going to swing me back to the other side of the fence but i think what it hammers home is when engaged when playing to your potential they've clearly shown they're among the elite and so do it more often 
you got some some little stuff to figure out along the way. The I'm sure we'll get into like, you know, does Brad make a deal to bolster the bench? Are you comfortable with the bench moving forward? Like, what do your rotations look like? There's little stuff. But for me, the biggest thing is like, what is the identity of this team? And I'm going to like, I'm, I've said this a million times now over the past few days, but last year, 21-22, I could tell you the Boston Celtics were a defensive minded team that cranked up their offense in the second half of the season, but didn't always have it on that end and found a way to get to the NBA finals because they could dig in and be the best defense in the league this year. I don't know what the Celtics are. I know they're a historic offense that sputtered for a month and is probably closer to being really, really good offense, but who sometimes glides based on how their shot making is going. Do they want to get back to being a defensive-minded team that we saw last night where early on shots weren't falling and they just dug in and made Luka's life miserable and found a way to get that game? Or are they just going to be some mix of it? Are they going to be like a really good offense who doesn't play defense to that that same level? So I, I'm, and I don't know the answer to that question yet. And that's the thing. Like I just don't know what the the little inscription, like what kind of team this is yet. I know they have all the potential in the world, but that's that's what's left to determine. Yeah, I agree with that in, in a way, but I also think that, you know, given what we've seen sample size so far, like they have the capability of being both. Mm-hmm. They can be a really good offensive team and they can be a really good defensive team. I agree with Chris that they have to find some sort of mixture of what identity, what they really need to be. But oftentimes the teams that go really far are probably good at both. Like Golden State, you know, despite that, I mean, they had Steph Curry and we, we could get into that a little bit, but Golden State also was like, what, a top three, top five defense last year. Mm-hmm. I think by certain metrics, they were number one, even better than Boston at certain points of the year. So it's not like they didn't have it going on both sides. It's just the consistency part, I think, is what's the most frustrating. And then like when you see last night, you know, Tatum didn't have his best from three point range shooting game. Uh, he wasn't tremendous, but yet still was found a way to impact the game. Jalen has been tremendous, you know, even through some of the Celtic slumps, he's been really one of the only bright spots offensively for them. Um, trying to drag them through things. You saw him in Oklahoma City trying to rev the guys up and trying to get everybody going. So, I mean, there's, it, it's good to see that there is some sort of urgency from certain guys, but like, you know, as we looked at, if you take last night's game as just a, a the microcosm of the whole season here, like it really does come down to the bench. And if their bench players step up, if their if their bench can some carry some water, you saw Malcolm Brogdon hit some shots last night. Grant Williams played well last night. Um, you know, they they got a little bit more offense out of their bench, and that's that's going to be huge for them. And and then you know, as we look at this whole thing, we are still at the factor in the Rob Williams factor of what is he really going to look like when he's fully rolling. I know a lot of us um, probably, you know, our eyes rose a little bit when he was out, you know, for that one game due to, you know, knee management, um, you know, just trying to make sure. Cause you know, look, this team is much more fun when Rob Williams plays. I don't have to explain to either of you. Two, I'm, you know, I'm Italian. You, yeah. yeah I, I think you guys are basically I mean, a dysfunction when Rob's not on the floor. Well, yeah, I know. Forsberg's been, I think the captain of the Rob Williams fan, fan bus since, you know, it's inceptions, except for, uh, you. you know, the riffs man. But other than that, I think Forsberg's <laughs> been at the front of that line. Um, you know, but this team is still kind of figuring it out. You have to understand, you know, they're not even at the all-star break yet. And they have the best, like, this is the one thing I think is crazy. This team is, we're at the almost not even, eh, what are we, four weeks out from the all-star break, five weeks, six weeks, something like yeah. that. And they saw the best record in the league. And we're all mm-hmm. sitting here complaining about what exactly. I mean, there, <laughs> this could be, I mean, to, to, this could be the Mavericks, right? Whose team is very mm. Luka dominant, Luka centric, and they're barely hovering around 500 right now. Uh, and just got waxed 
the Celtics on their home floor last night. A team they that had won seven in a row before that, in fairness. Yeah, so it's not like, you know, they everybody's – what's so interesting about the NBA this year, one of the very things is I think there's a lot of – I mean, there are tiers, but these tiers I think are kind of big. Like mm. the top teams in the league, I mean, Boston's up there, Milwaukee, Brooklyn on the Eastern Conference side, Western Conference side is even more of a mess. So it's just – you know, you could feel good about last night because things happened. Tatum the second triple double, but I mean, at the end of the day, this team is still number one seed with a new head coach, new systems, and they're still getting used to each other a little bit. Again, I think that the one thing that does help out though is your continuity. You're you're not going anywhere in this business if you're if you're just like level headed and uh, I know, you know mm-hmm. like so. Uh, but I, I agree. Like learned. it is a good reminder. I sometimes do forget to take the step back and be like, it, they were 18 and 21 at this point last year, ninth seed in the East, and we were all losing our minds. And yeah, it's a lot better when you're the best record in basketball and just got some got some got some little stuff to figure out. Yeah, we can't also just sit here like blindly. It, it uh, good job, guys. Good record. Because <laughs> eventually, if you're not playing right, that stuff. It's not their. They're not the wagon that the Bruins are right now. They, you know, they were at points, obviously, but you know, at the moment, there are some things to address. Uh, there, there was a lot between the two of you. There was a lot there in terms of some areas, the directions that we can go into. But let's uh, sort of pick up right where Evan left off in terms of just the league and parity and and the fact that the Celtics, you know, they're they are the the best team in, in the NBA record wise, but they're not exactly out in front by, you know, a, a mile, you know, it's, it's a very narrow gap game and a half lead on both Milwaukee and Brooklyn with the surge that the nets are on right now. Kyrie Irving, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm often critical of him uh, more the person than the player, but he is playing incredible basketball. So I want to, you know, give him his, uh, his due in that sense, but you've got the, the Cavs that are sitting two games beyond the Celtics, the Sixers that are three games beyond the Celtics. So it's, it's a very crowded one through five in the East. And as Evan mentioned in the West, Denver, Memphis, mm. New Orleans, all right there. You know, Dallas, with the way it's played, has crept within three and a half of first place. So I guess my question here, Chris, is, you know, th- that's a lot of teams. How many of these teams actually belong in the same company Ooh. versus teams that just have very similar records? So it was funny because when everyone was talking about tiers, I started thinking. So at, at the start of the year, I think we said, like, there's a tier. The Celtics and the Bucks are in, like, a different tier than right. anybody else. And as Brooklyn surges and as the Celtics and Bucks have rode the roller coaster a little bit, it has muddied the tiers a little bit mm-hmm. in, in the East. And then I think there's like a, a, a fairly pronounced drop off to like the West, which has a lot of good teams and a ton of parity, but I don't think anyone's really distinguished themselves over there. And so like it, we don't have to worry about that right till like closer to April because yeah, like you're not going to see one of those teams. But when I hone in on the East, I think. Celtics and the Bucks still have a little bit something more than everybody else. Brooklyn is understandably like on the radar now. I'm super eager for that game on Thursday night. For whatever reason, I was start. I was thinking this week as as you know, looking around the East, and Donovan goes for 71, and Embiid yeah. goes for 50, and you're thinking like, which which of these teams scare you? You know, and like Cleveland still scares me more than Brooklyn right now. And maybe that's just because of, I'm thinking back to what happened in those two games and the overtime games. And while Rob certainly levels the playing field a little bit more, I just feel like Donovan Mitchell is like legitimate and certified in the playoffs. And not that Durant and Kyrie aren't, but I don't know. I'd like, I'm still a little bit more timid of the Bucks and Cavs than I am necessarily Brooklyn, but we'll see. Thursday night could change that and seeing Durant up close again and, and all the, you know, thinking about how dangerous he can be. Maybe I'll feel differently, but I think I still think potential wise Celtics and the Bucks are a little bit ahead of them. 
Although, you know, like the Nets, when you never do talk about potential, it's not necessarily the talent. It's the, can they keep it together? So there's somewhere, it, I would, I would still feel Celtics box, Cavs and, and, and Nets in that next tier. And then I think there's another, like, I'm still not, I would, I just never throw Philly in that mix because like, yeah. As good yeah. as they are, I just never worry about that matchup. And so, uh, I still think you're in a pretty comfortable position. It's just probably not as pronounced as we thought after 26, 27 games. Well, and I, I kind of look at it this way, right or wrong. Cause I don't know, like I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not out there. I, I can't even begin to relate to that mentality. But as an observer, I say, okay, if I'm, if I'm looking at your tiers, the way you broke them down, I, I largely agree with them, by the way. I'm saying the, the Celtics and Nets, or, or rather the Celtics and Bucks, they've, they've both been there very recently. You know, the Celtics are on the cusp. They now know what it takes. If they didn't last year, you know, they, they're not going to enter the, the NBA finals with zero collective games of experiences, you know, versus Golden State's billion that they had going into the finals last year. The Seas now know what it takes. The Bucks have won a championship. They have the best player in the world, at least in my mind in Giannis Antetokounmpo and so it it makes sense especially if the Bucks are healthy this year which obviously they weren't last year they very much belong in that tier in that conversation the Nets and this is where you know maybe I I sound sort of misguided or misinformed or miss whatever uh is I just don't maybe it's just the way that I view Kyrie and Durant and they are both champions they have both won NBA champion championships but I just question a point's how much they want it more so Irving than Durant, you know, how, how important is basketball really in the, the scope of everything else happening in the world. And so I, you know, I just, even though they were shorthanded, clearly, I didn't see them getting embarrassed the way they did in the first round by Boston last year. Even though all those four games were close, it was still a sweep. They still lost in four and the Cavs, they just, you know, they're, they're, I, they're sort of that like up and comer, you know, that, that plucky underdog that's, that maybe is still one piece away from truly being a championship contender versus, you know, and, and this is, I'm going to sound disrespectful, but like an Atlanta type that, hey, we can go out and win 60 games in the regular season, but when the playoffs start, you know, we're going to yeah. show our true colors, you know, so I, I'm just not sure Cleveland is, is quite there yet. I think they're growing into it. I just don't think that they're quite there yet. So it, I mean, the tears make sense to me. I don't know. I, the, the Cleveland thing is, is interesting just because of, you know, the, the Garland, Mitchell, Mobley kind of like triumvirate they have going on there. I, mm-hmm. I, I like that team a lot. They, they just throw, they, they're a little different. They're built a little different. They're, they're a really big team with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and they, they make life difficult. It just depends on the night that Karis LeVert wants to have, mm-hmm. you know, but they're, they're, they're a trade candidate without a lot of picks left because they traded them all for Donovan Mitchell. So it would be interesting what they do at the, at the deadline. But I think, you know, just in the Eastern Conference, that's the way it goes. But I think, you know, you add, like Boston just played Denver, and I think Denver's playing just an incredible basketball. Oh, I mean, I think, I think Jokic is playing just incredible basketball yeah. right now. Yeah. It translates he played 48 minutes in the, in the, in the playoffs. Like, I mean, what do they do? They can't really, and, and I know, and, and they're playing that good without Jamal Murray and, yeah. and obviously in spurts. So, I mean, yeah, Denver's, Denver's an interesting one from, from my perspective. They're amazing. And I think, I think, you know, Giannis, I love Giannis, but I think Jokic is playing the best basketball of anyone, right? It's ridiculous. He's, I, would, I mean, I, true, truly a game changer. I don't see anybody playing like him. This is a weird statement to make, but just it at, I, I would like to see Denver break out. Like it, I, you know, Jokic couldn't, it, it's hard to imagine him possibly playing any better than not only he is, but has over the last couple of years. You know, right now, obviously he's chasing a third MVP, which we talked about this with Washburn last week. I, I don't think he's going to get it. Not because he's not even, I don't know about that. I just voter fatigue. It's not because yeah. he's not, you know, it's, a thing. it's just voter fatigue is 
is a real thing. And as you know, if for anyone didn't listen to the show, we had a much longer conversation about this. So I encourage you, you know, it's not dated, go back, check it out. But Washburn was talking about how voters are, are still kind of, they're waiting for Denver to break out. Like it's, you know, and, and it matters when you have a really good team, not just a regular season team, but a playoff team. And yet, and this is where sort of voting politics comes into play, but yes, you're, you vote at the end of the regular season, so you can't play out the the playoffs and and see if if Denver wins a title or makes it to the finals or goes down in the first round. Like you can't see any of that. But what you can do is look at sample size of the past two years and the fact that in the postseason they haven't gotten it done. Jokic has a that that's been the recipe. Jokic has an incredible regular season and they don't get it done. And so unless you're mixing in a title there, basically, as Gary put it, it's hard to vote for him for yet another most valuable player award versus someone who has, you know, been right there, whether it's uh, a Tatum, obviously chasing it for the first time realistically, because last year wasn't realistic for all the conversation we had about that. Or obviously Luca just setting the world on fire, even if, you know, his team is not necessarily elite, but um Take a quick break. Talk about our good friends, our partner, our sponsor, betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL to, uh, you know, when college football, obviously you got the college football national championship game still coming up, NBA uh, and NHL futures, MLB offseason movement. The, the list goes on and on and on. You'll find the latest odds, team uh, and matchup player info, uh, news and game trends at Bet Online. It's all available to you. Live betting, free contests, uh, live scores for any game or sport basically imaginable. Uh, you could maybe get cricket. I'm not sure. Nope. But if you look at Bet Online, it might very well be there for you. We are uh, the, the fastest and easiest way to bet your favorite leagues and events, something that uh, Evan likes to always uh, pick out some some really – Good or compelling odds that you could you could bet on right now. Celtics win total sitting at fifty seven and a half, uh, which you know at at points they were on a sixty win pace right there fifty seven and a half. Or this one, I love this. We can do this, you know, after uh, this this little bit of conversation with Chris, see his thoughts. But the next player to score sixty plus in a game because individual scoring has been out of control in the NBA this year after the seventy one piece, the legitimate seventy one piece from Donovan Mitchell. Luca is plus four hundred. Embiid is plus six hundred. Curry, if he ever plays again, is plus 650. Giannis and Tatum both are plus 900. So we can uh, get into that in a second. But head to betonline.ag. Join, receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code. It is CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So, Chris, what do you attribute that to? The individual scoring, scoring mm-hmm. going absolutely bonkers this year. And who, to you, is the next guy to drop 60 in a game Ooh. this year? So I, I've, I've tried to reason it. Like some people want to say like the, the, the lack of take fouls. And I do think that's driven up some output, but I just think the league is really talented right now. Like every year it feels like there's two new guys coming in or two guys ascending. And when you talk about Donovan Mitchell being, I don't know, seventh or eighth in the MVP conversation, despite mm-hmm. how good Cleveland has been and 71 points and all that he's done this season, it, it's just remarkable. And it stresses how much individual talent there is in the NBA as for like the next guy, like Tatum's got a 50 piece coming at some point, right? Like Mm -hmm. it feels like it was January 23rd, maybe last year against the wizards where that lit his second half fuse. Um, But with how good Jalen Brown's been, I don't necessarily know if Tatum needs to have that monster game. Like, you know, there's, there's enough for everybody to go around. 
and there, there's a larger conversation there. I think like, you know, when it comes down to it, what is Jason Tatum's pathway to MVP? I don't know if he needs to have the big games. It just has mm-hmm. to be like Celtics win. And that's way more important. Um, but yeah, I, I, if I had to bet who the next guy is, I think it's funny that Curry's on that list and because it's clearly, you know, he's got the potential for it. Just, it will he be healthy enough to, to get out there and do right. it? Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think who, if I had to legitimately put money on who I think the next big game would be, it'll be some like crazy, some like complete outlier. Like when, 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 uh, who, who, who was, oh, Markinen had a big game. I was game. just going to say it's going to be Lori Markinen. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just shows you like the lead is league is loaded right now and, yeah. and they're just nice where guys can, can go crazy. Um, I mean, that's wild. Like, like Lori Markinen in that mix now. So, uh, yeah, or, or maybe it'll just be Donovan Mitchell again. Maybe he'll just, you know, follow it up with a, a 60 piece dinner. I'm just a, not, a, and as, as Perk would say, uh, I'm just not sure. And this is not a criticism, by the way. This is just sort of structure makeup of the team. I'm not sure. Well, one, Jason Tatum may never have a 60 point game. I think he will, but he may not. Uh, I don't think he's going to hit that with Jalen Brown in the lineup. I, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I, I just don't think it's possible that one of those two guys can go off to that degree. Uh, with both of them out there on the floor sort of getting theirs even and that's not like an individual like they don't play together they don't work all I just like sort of the way this team plays it's far more likely as we know I mean it's what they're doing to both go for 30 or even potentially both chase 40 than for one guy to have 15 maybe 20 and the other one to go for 58 62 Mm -hmm. points or something like that I, I just I don't think it's going to happen for Tatum yet because it's too early in the calendar. Yeah. The the Tatum takeover happens really around March. And then he just goes on this ridiculous. I always reference the, the, the Jason Tatum meme calendar all the time because it just explains a lot, you know? Um, I, and I, and for those wondering, uh, Lori Markinen's odds are plus 2,500, which I feel like aren't, aren't big enough. I feel like Markinen's yeah. odds should be way higher than that. Take the long anyway, I'm glad you brought up the Jason, the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown thing is like the reason why Tatum won't get 50 or 60 or whatever, because they is another elite score on the floor at the same time. My question is given the, the context of the NBA Forsberg, mm-hmm. the high scoring every, again, the month of December was insane. <laughs> every night was like somebody went bananas. I, it was kind of a big deal early on in the year. I thought that. Tatum and Brown can end up averaging more points than Kobe and Shaq, like mm. that 54.7 or whatever, whatever the number is, right? Does that, does that, is that like little, that record lose a little bit of its luster because there's so many people kind of hovering around that right now? Cause like another example would be Katie and Kyrie are also hovering mm. around that same average. Um, and I know there's other, t- other guys that are close to that. I think LeBron and AD are close to that too because LeBron's been, Right. putting up some numbers recently too. There's got to be a um, minimum only, games played on that stat or something, right? For yeah, well, for Davis, for sure, right? Yeah, yeah there's got to be for Davis because he's been in. As someone who owns him in our fantasy league, he's yeah. been in and out. I can't even. Time too. <laughs> I, I don't even know when Davis is going to play. But I, 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 I don't. Has that that that's that magic scoring number between two guys? Has that lost a little bit of its luster because of the high scoring this year? Because Jalen and Jason are going to probably beat that if they can't stand. Right. I think the way you, you re-emphasize it is to, 
I did. I think we put this number on our broadcast last night is you just put straight total points, right? Instead of just like, uh, the, the averages. Cause you're right. Like in small samples, these guys can sort of muscle into that conversation. I thought it was jarring when we put it up last night and you got Tatum and Brown at 2000 something points. And, uh, the next closest is like Luca and Dinwiddie and then Luca and somebody else. It's just, you know, it accentuates that it's really hard for two guys to consistently do it. And so, that's what the, the theme of the, of the Celtics right now, right? Is like consistency. Well, Jalen and Jason have done it every single night. Now, maybe not to the level we, we always want them to do it. And, you know, uh, maybe the supporting cast hasn't helped out enough in this stretch or, you know, maybe Tatum that needs to be better against non MVP candidates and stuff like that. But, uh, when you look at the totality of the year and the other thing I go back to is like, are those, when you're talking about duos, are they making each other better when they're out there? And that was always the big question last year when everyone was talking about the future of the Jays and like, was this going to work? Is that, uh, do they make each other better? Like, do they, and, and I, I thought, I think it's just, yeah, I keep going back to this number. Last year, they only had 72 assists to each other, like between the two of them. And that doesn't sound like a high number. I mean, it's less than one a game if you, you do the math, although with games missed, you know, whatever. Uh, and then last night in the fourth quarter, they had three different instances, including that alley-oop where they're, they're getting each other. And they, I think they're starting to figure out how to make each other better, how they play into each other's success, how they can both have success and, and feel good about it for each other. And, uh, you know, that's the part that, that sort of distinguishes it for me. Like they know how to work together. Whereas, like, I don't think Luke is out there like, oh, I'm making, I'm making Spencer. Well, I mean, with his passing, so he gets assists for it. Like I'm making Dinwiddie better, but I don't think Dinwiddie's out there thinking like, oh, I'm making Luca better. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it, it, it's just, a, it's a, it's one really good score. Uh, and someone else has to be on that list because Luca scores a million points. If we could, uh, for a moment, cause we don't get an opportunity to do this often. This is not substantial, but there's a little bit of, it's not Celtics related really, but there's a little bit of breaking news, uh, to, that I just saw on Twitter. The, the Mavericks have waived Kemba Walker. Probably, yeah. Probably, probably wouldn't be a, a giant shock to people. He played in nine games, uh, the, you know, 16 minutes per the averages were nothing crazy, but, um, I guess I'm, I'm just sort of thinking about this now, but man, like when did, when did Kemba sort of become IT, right? Like where you're just like this fan favorite in Boston who, you know, didn't, uh, it, it didn't end the way that you thought it might. And then they're, you know, because of injuries, they're just bouncing around from stop to stop to stop. And, and IT is no longer in the NBA. And, and I don't know how many more kicks of the can Kemba's going to get. It just, it, it, it changed. This is breaking away entirely from everything we were just talking about. We will sort of circle back, but I just saw this come across from Mavs PR on Twitter and it makes me a little sad, Forsberg. Yeah. So my, my dog's name is Kemba. So we got our dog during the pandemic. My kids wanted to name it a Celtics name. Uh, they, they defied my, my, my desire to have Barker smart and went with, <laughs> went with Kemba, which was fine. Like cool little dog name, although non basketball people always look at us like, what the hell is that name? Um, so I always have a soft spot for him because especially coming out of the Kyrie era, like he was the perfect palate cleanser. The I do not think you can. With, I don't think you can, you can, you can tell the story of the Jays without, and their development without factoring in Kemba and how much just him arriving here and talking them up and enabling them to be stars, even as he kind of came in as the, as sort of the, the focal point of, of replacing Kyrie. Like, I think that was so important for, for their confidence and they would have got there eventually, but I just think having someone like Kemba sort of helped that along. And yeah, it's disappointing, but you know, like, you, you bring up it, it, it's it's the same thing with it like 
I, I have a huge affinity for Kemba and IT from a, like a professional standpoint. They were as nice of people and as like open of people with their, with like how they would like let us into their world and how they would, you know, how they would look, talk about their teammates and everything that went along with it. And yet that's life as a small guard in the NBA is that once it starts to go, it's very hard to, to kind of catch it. And I, I was hopeful the Mavs would at least keep Kemba around as a good, veteran presence like I think Luca mm-hmm. probably could benefit from guys that have just been superstars and know what it's like going through it and yet sometimes when you're you're just hell-bent on being competitive roster space and you know yeah. paying money for that you have you have to factor that in so uh Kemba won't be the only one this January 10th deadline we're going to see some you know non non-guaranteed people over the weekend start to uh, to get to get cut free or traded like in the Celtics instance with Vonley. Uh but yeah, it's a bummer. Like I I don't know what's next for Kemba. Um you know, I I can't imagine there's there's too many contenders that you know think he can help them. Uh but you know, I'll I'll always root for those guys like whether it's IT or Kemba or whatever like cuz they have that perpetual chip on their shoulder that if they were to get an opportunity and forget don't forget like Kemba went up to Cleveland there was a game there where he had like 25 shots. I think he had 29 points, something like that. Like, you know, he can still get buckets if needed, but yeah. yeah 32 points. 35 yeah, and, and seven that game. And that was not even a month ago. And it wasn't, it was without Luca and they needed him to be crazy. And, and, you know, talking to Tim McMahon the other day, he's like, they can't play him like that. It's, it's still Kemba and he still hasn't played any, you know, in a while. And, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, long story short, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope Kemba sticks around in some form or fashion because, uh, he's a good dude and, and, uh, you know, I, I miss just having his locker room presence around this team. Well, you brought up Noah Vonley. Let's go there because, uh, I, I think it surprised a lot of people when the report from Shams came out. Uh, that, you, you were surprised, that, Evan? Well, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm oh. doing the, the wind horse. What does he know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> what is he? Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. The, the, the Why would they do that? So, so at, I, it it was interesting because before, I, I guess I'm just looking at like the initial sort of chain of reaction, right? When when the news came out, it was why would they do that? Not that he's important, you know, per se to the team, and wasn't certainly playing all that much, but it was, eh, he's there, he's a big, he's you know what, like what's what, and and you're you're not getting anything. Like what was what was the point of doing this? And then obviously you find out from Bobby Marks and others that oh. Deadline, guaranteed contract, $7 million savings, you know, tax line. All, it's like, now it makes perfect sense. Now, uh, of course, we know why they traded away Noah Vonley. Uh, and, and like you said, whether it's Kemba or other guys around the league with this deadline, you're going to see more of those guys that are, you know, cut loose or moved or whatever it is. But uh, I, I guess the most interesting part of it now is that unlike before, the Celtics do have a free roster spot, which... In, in all likelihood, they're just going to carry, you know, the buyout market is is still a couple months away and uh, I don't necessarily see them making a move. But that being said, there have been the reports about Peyton, Peyton Pritchard's potential availability. And obviously we know there are a couple of expiring TPEs that the Celtics still have in, in short order here. Uh, what uh, as, as you connect all of these mm. dots, do you see a potential move coming for Boston where there's a guy coming in, not going out? So immediately, no. Um, and, and I love because, you know, Twitter immediately says, Oh, they got an open roster spot. Where's Carmelo Anthony? And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I kind of slap my head and, and say, yeah. I, I get it. People love, 
love the uh the idea of of, of what could be but uh they already got blake griffin and so if you needed your time machine there you go uh he's on what, the what it means is the gallows about to play yeah and, and that's funny too because now he's running i actually think that's a good segue because so i've always thought there's two paths to the celtics sort of adding one more piece to this roster and either it's using that Gallo disabled player exception to add someone at above what others can bid on the buyout market. So you can, you know, you, you got like $3 million to play with there and you can sort of sprinkle a little bit more than other teams are going to be willing to offer or, or have the ability to offer at a, at, at mostly a minimum deal, unless someone's got like a chunk of the mid level left, which no contender probably does. So you can, you can probably lure someone there or the bigger, like if you want to make a bigger splash, the one path is trading. Danilo Gallinari and his in his mid level or uh you know mid level money mm-hmm. to go acquire uh something a little bit more more sexy and you could there's there's also like there you could you could do it where you know you're trading out Gallo and you know bringing back I, the sad like a lot of people obsess about these traded player exceptions I just don't see them them using them um in part because if you're trying to save seven million dollars by moving noah vonley you're probably not going to add another six million dollars in salary without sending something out and maybe that gal is part of that or whatever so um it'll be very interesting to me uh what they do the the biggest thing is like last night the bench was really good against dallas does that give you any more confidence that they don't need to make a move or do you still need one more piece? And I don't know if I have a, a firm reaction to that yet. Like I feel like when healthy the Celtics, it would be very hard for someone to come in here and be kind of hammer out a role. And yet if Hauser continues to struggle, if there's some blips on the radar with, with other bench pieces, it's something you have to consider. So uh it's good to have the roster flexibility now to, to, to potentially maneuver and, uh, you know, I think it, I don't think it was intentional. Like they were going January 10th is, is, was looming and we'll see if Justin Jackson survives it. And if they feel like they need another open roster spot, which would probably be, uh, you know, overkill, but, um, they just from the money standpoint, if you could save mm. seven more million dollars, like, I don't know. So, uh, but the, the, the bigger point here is Brad has some flexibility and it, it's just a, a little reminder for all those bench guys. Like, Hey, you know, nothing's set in stone here. They can uh, potentially still explore what's out there. Yeah, the, the housing spot is the only spot that 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 really you could possibly upgrade. They're not trading Pritchard till the off season. They're going to have a problem with guards. I think come the off season between you know uh, Pritchard, uh, JD Davison. They have mm-hmm. Begaron, everybody's favorite international prospect right now. He's <laughs> he's doing his thing. Yamadar at some point maybe Ooh, come, like that. They have, I forgot about Yam. Love the Yam Adar's out there. He's out there. So it's, it's, there's, Pritchard's not going anywhere because if, because between, you know, Malcolm and Smart, I'm not trying to say Smart's injury prone, but Smart does throw his body around a lot mm-hmm. and it just, you know, you never know. Um, and Pritchard's a valuable guy. He knows their system come in. He can run it. He's comfortable. Like that's, that's very valuable to have. Boston has an insane, insanely deep guard rotation and, and Pritchard's going to be a part of that, I think, for the season. But it's really just about the Hauser minutes. And if Hauser, start shooting better again, then we don't have to talk about really anything because that's that's great. I mean, you go back to the beginning of the season, the best lineups Boston had had Hauser on the floor, you know. So mm. yeah, I know that's small sample size theater, but, you know, it, there, he can make a huge impact when he's shooting the ball well. He's just not shooting the ball well right now. Um, and hopefully at some point he can get back into some good rhythm here. But that's the only spot you can really upgrade. The Using Gallo's salary is very interesting. Um, but – I, from a human, you know, and, and this, this is what I always want to ask people. Like, for, Evan, from a human perspective, 
You bring mm-hmm. this guy in, like he's invested in Boston. He's been on like a, yeah, a bunch of road trips. Yeah. yeah, and and like always looks I, good I, in the sideline too. Dresses up very well. The family I, grew up rooting for Larry Bird, for Christ's sake. It, it, Evan, has he been to your to your suit shop to, uh, to nah, get some I would, fresh cuts? If I could dress, if I could dress Gal, that would be a, a real uh, big thing for me. That'd be like a, an accomplishment. <laughs> Who I are would you wearing? Probably die. Plenty. Yeah, the real <laughs> real big accomplishment for me. But you know, again, as as the resident uh, Italian on that team, I'm I'm very attached to Gallo. I, it, I love it. it, I love it, it so it's there. it's fascinating to me. And Coffin, you can chime in too, like as I take Thank over you. your podcast. I but um, um, like I, I am worried. Like I do think Brad has maybe a little bit more not sentimentality, but like has a little bit more human emotion than maybe most GMs do in that spot. So does he have to be sort of cutthroat and be like, we need one more piece? And Gallo's the only really tradable contract, and it doesn't disrupt the immediate chemistry. You know, do you do you pull the trigger on that deal if there's something that materializes, or do you look at this and say, you know, we, we invested in this guy. He's out here Instagramming every friggin' run he does up and down <laughs> the court, and like, does that does that change the calculus at all? Because I think I probably lean more towards the former than the latter. I think like you just got to be, hey goal here is to win a championship if there's the right deal out there you make the move and i think brad you know understands that at the end of the day but it's just a weird situation when you you know you're somewhat invested in the guy so uh it's i love that you brought this up because as evan knows uh our our text chain in and around the celtics our buddy landman who comes on from time to time he's part of our fantasy league he has been like if he's out there listening to this show and he might be he's basically the steve carell office meme where he goes Thank you, because he <laughs> he has been talking for months about trading away Danilo Gallinari. You've got this salary. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not for the sake of doing it, but like this is a trade chip, as you're talking about. And, you know, I will always respond with the human element. And, you know, how does Brad feel about everything you just outlined? And, you know, one thing we were kind of talking about just a couple days ago was, you know, the... Someone, I don't remember who it was, but somebody had suggested like it's, you know, that whole conversation we had around when IT was traded with the knee and and the the supposed reaction of Anthony Davis's father when the C's wanted to, you know, in theory, bring him in. Like, what is it? Does does Boston turn into a place that players don't want to go because of a a lack of human emotion? Guy hasn't played a game for you yet, tears his ACL in the offseason. All of a sudden you move him before he even wears the uniform. How does that make you look? And the way that I respond to that is I don't think it makes a big difference because if the Celtics, the IT thing was way worse. I mean, that guy mm-hmm. gave up everything for you, not intentionally, but he did. He gave up everything for you and you survived that just fine in terms of still being, you know, an attractive destination and landing spot. So Danilo Gallinari is not going to be a ripple on that river. So I don't worry about that type of thing at all. But in terms of like, you're talking about Brad looking at it, just him personally and saying, man, like, I, I'd i really like to see this. Like, he's, yeah. he's you know, and, and I am certainly a sucker for the, I know I, I it I'm, it may have sounded like a joke earlier, but I am definitely a sucker for the, you know, man, he grew up rooting for Larry Bird right. and his dad's favorite team Same. was the Celtics. And, and like, let's see him. I want to see him in the uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no underestimating the fact that Hauser stepped into that role, has arguably done it better, at a significantly reduced rate, and I, he, enjoy, you know, I enjoyed Evan's reaction to that. To that, to that and, he did it better, better for a month. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I but I don't think all of a sudden, like the the whole Hausermatic thing is dead. Like Sam Hauser is yeah, going no, to be fine. I, you know, I, I I do believe that. So 
just uh, rookie year, basically. So exactly, we're being so, too hard on the guy, right? So the whole the whole like you know long winded way of putting it, I guess, is you know as as you said, Chris. I think if the right deal were on the table, Brad would have to react. He'd he'd have to do it, but. Yeah. I do not think that he is soliciting it. I don't think that when he is looking around at upgrades for this team, he is actively saying, where can we use the Gallo contract to upgrade? So make I, wrong now, about that. Now, now I'm going to go fully cutthroat. And, you know, after I talked about sentimentality, yeah. if the dude wanted to play for the Celtics so badly, then don't play in FIBA and be healthy. <laughs> so, you know, or, that, come, that's, or come three years ago when they pursued you. Right. And so ultimately, yeah. um, you know, I, if, if Brad thinks there's a move out there to, to better this team, I hope that sentimentality does not factor too heavily into it. I don't really I'm think just, it will be. I, he traded Kemba. Like, yeah, I mean, well, that, I did. that, and, and it's not the same thing. And his first move, like his first, right. like sort of, Hey, I'm here. I'm, and, and like, look, when, when Brad has been able to make the team better, and especially if it comes at the perk of getting someone that's like tied up for another three, four years, you know, like, let's face it, Gallinari is not going to help this team in a championship pursuit this year, right. aside from his very sharp sideline attire. So, uh, yeah. if you can find someone that can, you got to do it. Well, and the devil's the question is, where does that come from, though? Even if he were like, fully healthy, mm. he might not help you in a championship pursuit because he's, you know, when the rotation tightens, he probably wouldn't have been part of it anyway. Yeah. Ah, it depends. Like, again, I, I would love, I would love if there was an alternate universe where we could see what Gallo would have brought. There would have been nice where he huh. hit like eight three pointers and we would have been like, Oh my God, what a signing. Uh, yeah. but yeah, Evan brings up a good point too. Like, where, what's the move? And so I don't know. Like, it, it's going to come down to, I think in the next month we'll see a lot of teams start kind of waving that flag saying we're going for one manana and, and like, so all of a sudden is there pieces out there that you maybe didn't expect to be available? Uh, teams trying to trim payroll fat. Like, I don't know. Uh, that's the hard part that I haven't connected yet. Like wh- who are the obvious options out there? Maybe I just need to start doing my, my homework better. And, and what exactly do you need? You know, is it, I, I've said, like, I think the biggest thing the Celtics need is another defensive minded wing who you would trust in a playoff situation because Jay Crowder up to. Uh, what's uh, that? I, that I, I can't make the money work on that one. Uh, <laughs> plus the dude now has not played for what three months and, uh, right. which is a weird, weird situation. Uh, and, but there's someone out there. There's somebody that uh, let's check the Spurs roster because that's all Brad does is trade with, with Popovich. I was going to mention Devin Vassell, but I don't think I was going to ask how many how many first round picks would it take to get Devin Vassell on this team because that would be it. <laughs> so let, let's add a 2029 pick swap, a 2000, yeah. uh, you know, like whatever it's got to take to get Pop to to bite on that because that's you know I I, th- I wanted Keldon Johnson for a little bit because the Spurs were having a little bit of a mini fire sale there with Dejounte Murray, and I was like I would be calling about Keldon Johnson every <laughs> single day. So true. Because that guy, I actually like, I liked it better than Dejounte Murray. To be frankly, honestly, I, I love Kelvin Johnson, a great player. But well, that's, don't forget, you know, everyone got excited about the guy who exposed himself to the uh, to the therapist too. That was another yeah. one. Well, Chris is right though. It's about the teams that are at the bottom of the pile who are looking to cut salary because they're trying to get Webinyama and they're trying to get you know guys that mean stuff. Like Detroit's another team. You know, Bogdanovich is going to get traded. It's just a matter of when. Sadiq um, Bay. Correct. Yeah, but, correcting all that went wrong. But Sadiq Bay like has games where you want to like just you want to pull your hair out because he yeah, just sure. can't hit shots. But you know he's a Villanova guy, and I love guys that play for Jay Wright. That's that's like one of my one of my uh, big draft things is like just draft guys that played for Jay Wright because they know how to play. If basketball. only if only you'd had a chance, Adam. You know? Yeah. If only. <laughs> but it's it's a team like that. And I'm not and we don't know exactly who all those players are gonna be yet. And you know you have some idea, like the Rockets are there, Detroit's there, 
Uh, you're going to have San Antonio there. Charlotte eventually is going to, I think they're, they're there. That, that, but that's the fun wild card. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte's just a dumpster fire. So like there's, and there's more teams to add to that, but they're just not, they haven't made themselves available yet. That's where, but that's, that's the, the question is, is, you know, do you trade Gallo to, to get a better piece right now? And if that trade's available, I bet Brad does it, but I just don't know if that's ever going to come to fruition or not. Again, it takes two to tango as we found out with Danny so mm. many times. I am curious, Chris, and you may not know right now because, you know, the, the league, it, like some of this stuff needs to play out, obviously, uh, over the next, I don't know, month or two as, as we get closer to the trade deadline and, and buyout market and all of that. But sort of who may spring available that is also a perfect fit for this team in terms of mm-hmm. what their needs are, fits right financially, all of that, whether it's using Gallo or not, you know, what, right. however that shakes out, obviously, in terms of the money, but, but a guy that, that actually will become available that makes sense for this team. Because as we know, we've talked about it on this show in the past, especially related to the buyout market, but even midseason trades, so few times, you know, so many shows like this spend so much time talking about who do you want? Who do you need? Who can become available? Who's a good fit? And more often than not, even if some of those deals are made, they're not difference-making deals. They're not deals that carry you to a championship. So it, it does make me wonder... um, I don't know if, if there will be a guy this year or multiple guys this year that, that genuinely makes sense that actually do provide a difference. And obviously sure. we won't know till we know. Yeah. And I think what I do, you know, and I haven't done this exercise yet, but I'll go to uh spot rack or whatever, one of those salary sites and sort by dudes that make $6 million or less and, you know, look for guys that fit your prototype that are wings, like high level defenders who maybe haven't tapped into their full offensive potential or vice versa, whatever the case may be. I think because of Hauser, you feel pretty comfortable that if he ever figures out how to be a consistent shooter, like he's going to be a rotation piece. Um, You know, like I probably wouldn't seek offense first i'd be looking for defense uh and maybe that's a vet but the the bigger story is very rarely do trade deadline or buyout moves swing the entire like complex the 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 complexion of the of the postseason i mean you keep everyone goes back and says like oh pj brown sam cassell celtics you know yeah that helped that's the the last time that's like and that's literally like that's what that's the point. 15 years ago, like, we, like it, it's been an eternity since someone found someone off the scrap heap that has really impacted the playoffs. And so, uh, it's nice to think about and all that. But I guess if, if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm a lot more concerned about, you know, okay, how do we not have our entire bench slump for a month? And how do we make the Jays even better and, uh, get Jason Tatum to start actually making three point shots at a, at something closer to his career level than the 34 something percent he's shooting now. And so, uh, we, but you know, for us, it's, it's fun to obsess about. And I'm sure I'll get a lot of cheap clicks off of, uh, off of the people that we throw out there. So uh, trade exceptions have, two of have, them right here, man. <laughs> trade, trade exceptions have given me, uh, endless amounts of job security, uh, in despite the fact that they've rarely used them. And, and even funnier is like, uh, you know, to self own myself, uh, we did, we must have done every time the Celtics played somebody during the, that 2021 season, we'd be like, well, they have this, uh, $18 million Gordon Hayward trade exception. And every night we would kind of examine who they could get from that team. And then we got them to the magic. And I was like, well, they would never trade for Evan Fournier because Danny Ainge has said he's not trading for someone in the last year of his deal. And then like two weeks later, they traded for Evan Fournier. So, you yeah. know, uh, you never know. And, uh, uh, just, uh, you know, stay locked in because, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. 
Uh, Chris, I, I can only assume that on the, uh, on, on the beat streets for, you know, I know you're in studio a lot, but for when you are out on the road and with the team and at the garden and among all of, uh, our peers, but, you know, yours in particular, the, the, uh, the, the brethren of the beat that, uh, that this Celtics beat fantasy invitational league is, is a popular talking point and you are, you are just, waiting itching, with guilt. itching to join the league next year when we reboot yeah you and i mean do you want me to let down the, the guard and when you guys politely asked me to to uh join and uh there was a time when a softer gentler chris forsberg would have felt that, like great guilt in turning down such an invite uh <laughs> what i realized like four or five years ago is that i am just one, I'm a terrible fantasy player because I, I put, um, that's why I'd be a terrible GM. Like I would draft IT and Kemba and just like carry them on my roster because I'd be like, oh, I, love, I love my team. Um, but yeah, probably not a good player and lazy updater of, of, of stuff. And people just by the end of the year hate me in their league because, uh, I've, I've somehow, you know, cost them a, a, a playoff matchup because I didn't update my roster and stuff. So that's, uh, that's what Burns have. We, we yeah, call, I, I, we call I, it the free square in the league. <laughs> So, so consider it a bullet dodge. So, my team is hurt constantly. I have Anthony Davis, Embiid, uh, Kate, Kate Cunningham. You know, it's gone. Brad Beal. You know, it's gone really well. It's It's really amazing. He's jinxed all those players. Well, (laughs) again, this is my only saving grace. I picked Embiid over Tatum because of my bad luck football streak. Oh, I thought would carry over. Thank goodness. I saved everybody. What a, a huge headache, but not by not taking Jason. Evan personally so saved welcome. the Celtic season. You're all welcome, <laughs> by the way. And Greeny can thank me a lot too, because Greeny yeah. ended up with Tatum. So, oh, yeah, yeah. He, Although he had to pick right after me. He's been slumping lately. He started like seven and zero, and now I think he's got. Yeah, he was right killing off. it. I'm yeah. playing him right now. I think. So it's probably not going well for you. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, as as Forsberg uh, said before we even came on, I said, you know, how how long do you feel like ch- you know chatting it up? And he said, you know what, you'll know, you'll know when when the, the time when the time is right. That kind of hurts. I, I thought you, I thought we had five more minutes in us, and then you know, now you're now, but like you're, you're I, I, the- anything you want to talk about? <laughs> no. I felt like the time was right. I I, I do. It's it's so funny. I, uh, you got you really haven't asked me anything about Rob. Can we can we at least end on? Oh my god, that's question? true. I mean, I that's that's true. And I even after I promised last Hold week because we didn't we didn't do a lot of Rob with uh, with Washburn either. And I was like, yeah, next week we'll do Rob. Is that the uh, that's the the red cloth? That's so uh, that's so bad. Can I? Yeah, you gotta <laughs> I don't hold know. It it's not awful. I, I do wish he. Had, I, I forgot he had to wear forty three up there, but um, yeah. But you did get now, the Williams. Now, the third, did you have? So. Did you have to go there? Uh, to to like see no, the team and get, or did, did they just love you enough and know your love of Rob? They they put that right in the mail to you. This this is actually a great story, and uh, I'm glad you asked because uh, I feel so, some degree of guilt over it. Uh, last year when I got stationed outside for the playoff run, you know, I I got. I mean, not that I don't see fans inside, but. It's a different beast when people are coming into the arena all lubed up and ready yeah. to get excited. And there was this one gentleman who kept coming over. Uh, his name was Wilson. Super nice guy. He uh, he would often have like a, a lot of the uh, like stuff that they put on chair backs and, and swag and would be, you know, holding it up from what he got inside the game. And he, he told me at one point, he said, I have uh, two Robert Williams bobbleheads from when Maine did it. I went up there and put it, you know, he put in the actual effort to get up there and, and get yeah. these things for, and, and went to the game. And I said, Oh man, I would, I would really like, you know, I, there were, there are things I would do to, 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 to get that. 
<laughs> I said, and he said, can you get me Robert Williams autograph? And I said, no, that's, that, that's not one of the things I can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's literally on my credential. I can't, I can't be asking players for autographs. Uh, I said, I would love to help you out with that, but, um, you know, maybe it's just not meant to be. And then he, out of the kindness of his heart, he showed back up a couple of games later and delivered the Robert Williams, uh, bobblehead. And I felt, again, I felt great guilt. I was like, no, 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 no. Like this is, I mean, you could probably put this on eBay in 10 years and make a million dollars, uh, <laughs> because he's going to be league MVP someday. So. Yeah. I said, you know, don't reconsider this. And he said, no, no, I have another one. Uh, and I will find a way somehow this, this shout out will not be enough, uh, for, for Wilson, but, um, I will find a way to, uh, uh, thank him for his efforts. The other thing I, I wish I'd have shown this when I was doing it, uh, the base of the bobblehead is a clock. Oh, I like that's that. Amazing. So that is, that's that like, is, that is, that creativity. is next level. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I now need one for uh, I, I, the Celtics haven't done bobbleheads in a while. Uh, yeah, it's been I'm a all, couple of years. It was pre-pandemic. Yeah, I don't think they track. ever did a. I don't think they ever did a Rob one. But uh, whether no. it's you know Funko or whoever, if 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 there's anybody out there that has Rob memorabilia that can fill up my wall, um, I'm happy to make a second shelf over here to house <laughs> all my my Time Lord gear. Yeah, you got to check out Foco. I don't know if they've made a Rob. Mm. Uh, bobblehead yet but but entirely possible uh, well let's all right so before we go let's let's yeah. do a little bit on rob and i i guess uh uh if if i were to i don't know if i were to set an over under of games how what would what is an appropriate Ooh. number for you before rob is back in the starting lineup Ooh, interesting so uh first off uh there's been a lot of people that have been out there saying fire joe as they go through these uh these and, and we all know that's an overreaction yeah uh one fireable offense though would be not putting robert williams back in the starting <laughs> lineup at at some point so yeah. uh no i, I think joe I, I understand what joe's doing and especially as rob's on this little only damon stoudemire will mention it but there's a minute restriction and how much you can use him and uh obviously trying carefully with the game he missed um, I don't know when the point will come. It, it probably when you can ramp him up a little bit more and you can stagger him and Al a little bit. Um, I, there you can like, explore some other ideas. I was talking to B Rob today and, and we were thinking like, do you move Al Horford to the bench and limit the wear and tear on him? I don't know if I love that either. Um, but it, maybe it's just the point where you're like, okay, this lineup literally kicked everyone's ass last year. We should probably get back to it. And again, it goes back to the whole thing I started with, like identity. Like if you want to get back to being that team last year that had unlimited offensive potential, but didn't always bring it, but always could lean on their defense, then I think it it's tied to Rob and getting him back into that starting group and picking spots and you know do you do you finish games with him, crunch time, Lord, and so we we just got to that's the stuff that you got to figure out over the next three months here, and so uh, I hope for uh, just to, for the sake of 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 figuring it out that we see it at some point. Um, Derek White has been a, a really good. The 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 plus minus hammers at home. Team best plus seven, like eleven point nine or something like right now. Uh, although Rob just leapfrogged him uh, on a small sample, and so sure. I just I just need to see it. I want to see if that group can play with the same level it did last year because I think the ultimate ceiling of this team is tied to how good Rob is. My uh, or or as a buddy of mine likes to say, whenever Rob does really well, sublime Lord. He Ooh. Wants, to, wants to make that uh, that shirt and sell it outside the garden, which I think I, actually probably do pretty well. I I actually spent a lot uh, more time than I'm willing to admit. Last night he did it was it wasn't exactly the cornet corn contest. He did yeah. like he actually left out at the shooter, but he's robbed, so he can do that. But he was still he I think he 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 started to like take his step when he was still in the paint. 
contested and the dude hit the side of the backboard because he was just like so freaked out by by Rob. It was almost like if Luke Cornett put on a parachute and like <laughs> floated to the three-point line. So I was trying to think of like Rob, Rob Job, Time Lord, Discord. I don't know. Like there's there's some there's some play on on what 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 a what a cornet contest would be with Rob and uh I haven't come up with the 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 proper the problem. challenge to the listeners rack your yeah like I, I challenge people that are more creative than me to figure out something that we like you know the cornet contest or the eclipse or whatever you want to call it is, is yeah. super fun uh what is the time lord variation of that I like to let people behind the curtain too you said you were talking to B Rob earlier was that to record you know your podcast or his <laughs> podcast or do two Celtics you know beat guys just like to like nerd out over text about it, it, changes that, that the team could make it's it's not unusual for me and B Rob especially during games to be texting about the minutia of of games and uh uh but yeah we we might have been recording a a, a podcast <laughs> as well so uh you you can probably check all these podcasts out on the on yeah. your your CLNS network over over the weekend you will be sure. inundated as we always say oversaturated with Forsberg but you still need to come listen to Celtics talk at some point man your your whole morning is just talking seas Petr and Rich and then you guys and B Rob and like uh I'm telling you I'm uh I'm I, I got five more podcasts in me if anybody if anybody needs a guest just hit hit up my email. You want me to FaceTime you when my kids get home from school? <laughs> break down last night's game. That'd be great. That'd be great. I would. Uh, I'm all well, in. I, I just need more. I just need more coffee, and uh, and I'll, I'll be good to go. Is that a Captain Lawrence sweatshirt there, uh, Evan? Is that what that is? CL? No, the, no this is a Legends uh, oh. former sponsor of the show. Look up. Look okay, up. Well, I think it's back though because we love them. Okay, yeah. so well, uh, not, sorry to, to slander another sponsor, but uh, look, look up Captain Lawrence. I think their beer logo is very similar. <laughs> what is what do they do captain lawrence is that they uh, had that, uh, and i don't remember they had a no that's lawson's um right. i'm trying to think what captain lawrence no i've did. had they, captain lawrence i've had yeah captain for sure right I'm like i, I yeah. want to say maybe new york brewery like my i'll my, look it up when we're done here I, sure. I i i will say this too someone just texted me uh i i i, I we're I, I i'm already into overtime here so i'm just going to bore you with the minutia uh, i am obsessed with uh, if you listen to my podcast with Tim McMahon, I said, I love craft beer, but especially jalapeno IPAs. And I, oh, I think, I think my friends at Treehouse just released one. And, uh, I oh, literally, as much as I would like to record podcasts all day, I will be getting in my car and accelerating to lovely Charlton, Massachusetts. As Not a lot of people over. have, you know, beers released with their faces on the label, but <laughs> do you want to, oh, can I, can I, can I self promote? Yeah, please, by, by all means. Will this somehow lead to us getting a Is Celtic it- themed, uh, beer though? Look at so that's, my friends, my, my friends up at Odd by Nature, um, released that and love we're, it. Kind enough, we're kind enough to include me. If you're ever up in York, Maine, uh, go check them out. They do a lot of fun stuff and, uh, yeah, just, uh, keep, 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 keep buying. Like if anyone needs a beer recommendation, like please, uh, the Celtics, the Celtics don't make me drink as much as they used to because, <laughs> uh, they're good now, but you never know. Mm. See, yeah. Forsberg thought he had a lot of, you know, fun at the decade or whatever it was at ESPN. But as soon as he left there, <laughs> the world just opened up for him. I don't know. It was, look at what well, we Massachusetts we, has a bunch of really excellent just breweries all over the place between Oh, hold on, hold on. I, uh, this is what, this is what uh, I have to do now. This, this is my little board over here. What you don't you see go. on the camera. Oh, is, the labels. It's a, uh, so every brewery I go to, I get a sticker. And so same deal. Uh, I usually I, I force myself to, to, to actually have to visit the, the brewery to go get their sticker. Um, but you can see like down the bottom is some of the, like now that we've been on the road a little bit more, I got some Milwaukee, I got some San Francisco. Uh, it's been nice to, uh, explore as we go, 
to all these places. But yeah, if, um, Massachusetts, if you uh, if you think you see me in a brewery, it's probably me. Probably because you did. <laughs> Odds are. Odds are. Oh, it, it well, in your yeah, favor. We could keep going and just chatting for a while, but I suppose uh, as <laughs> as I often wonder with podcasts, uh, no matter how good, how interesting, or how much you love the guest or show or whatever it is, sure. when you reach a certain point, is anybody really still out there? So yeah, it's and, a good time. I need I need you to check the retain rate on this one and uh, yeah. let me know if anyone made it to the end and if people are just like Jesus Christ, he's talking about beer again. We're out of here. Yeah. Well, just uh, <laughs> if if they didn't, we'll just start the next show with that segment. <laughs> And then, go, and then go into our regular programming next week. Uh, uh, just, just, just hold on. Before I, I was going to say the the, yeah. the biggest trick in in media industry, just make it two parts. Yeah. Get <laughs> <laughs> in Wahlberg. there, my friend. When when Wahlberg came on for like two and a half hours, we uh, we two parted that show. Jeez, it, you know you you got to do those things. Sometimes. Uh, Can content, I, baby. It's the best. I'm, I'm telling you, my uh, my I have some friends who are huge NKOTB fans, and they probably sure. listen just to uh just to to get that Donnie experience. Well, send send them over to Celtics beat. He was on recently. You can uh, everybody can enjoy. All right, uh, thank you everybody uh, for you know out there listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you find your podcast. Assuming I'm talking to anybody other than just Chris and Evan at this point. But for Evan Valenti, for Chris Forsberg, I am Adam Kaufman. A reminder: this show powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus. And hopefully, when we next chat in uh, about a week, maybe a little less, probably three games from now, uh, the uh, at San Antonio and then home games with. Chicago and New Orleans probably wrap uh, or maybe after the Brooklyn game. We'll see. That's on Thursday. So back to back right there. Hopefully we're talking about a, a, I don't know, a three in one stretch, something uplifting for the Boston Celtics to, uh, you know, take us back here with and, and a 30 win team. We'll see. All right. Happy new year because I can't say enough. See you later.